Welcome back, everyone. I'm Sarah Peck, and this is the Startup Pregnant Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. We are going to do another deep dive into the day in the life with creative entrepreneurs and business owners and workers all over who are navigating the pandemic, parenting, pregnancy, and working. Today, we're going to dig into the life of Kelsey Kerslake, and she is a creative director and agency owner and runs a coaching business. So she started out by running a design and branding agency called Pinegate Road, and then built more on top of her business. And she's been helping entrepreneurs and businesses build their brands and online presences for over a decade, and now has a coaching business on top of that. She's a creative director, and she helps people take their vision from their head, grounded in strategy, get it looking great with design, and then turn it into a digital reality. She has gotten her business to working two days per week, and she has a young kid around age one at home. And so when the pandemic hit and things shifted for her family, and her husband is working nonstop right now because he works in a supply chain at a hospital, she started doing all of her work with her kiddo at home. But the interesting thing is that she had gotten her business to a place where she could work about two days a week. And so now she's been able to fit it in during nap times. And so she reached out to me when I put out the call to do these interviews and said, hey, I'm actually able to do my work during nap time. So the question that I'm asking with my life is whether or not I actually need to go back to full-time childcare or if my business is possible by doing it in these short bursts around my husband's job and during nap times. This is such an interesting conversation to me because I am in a similar position And I know many people around the world are also in positions like this. But the questions that come up that get a little fuzzier are, well, how does this work long term? It's easier to do fulfillment and to maintain this in the interim while you've already got the business set up and running. But how does it work six months, 12 months, 18 months from now? We're going to ask lots of questions. We're going to go on a detour and hear a lot about Kelsey's background. I end up asking her a lot of questions. I love interviewing. So we're going to go down a lot of rabbit holes in this interview. Also, this was really fun for me to do because we tried a new format. I use Voxer, this walkie-talkie back-and-forth audio app that I get to use. I use it in my Wise Women's Council, and I talk to friends and clients using this tool. And I am conducting this interview via Voxer. What that means is that we didn't sit down for a 45-minute session the way that I normally do with people, but we swapped audio messages back and forth over time. It took us about a week and a half to do this interview. So this will probably sound a little bit different than a live interview because sometimes there's two days that go by before we're able to get back to answering or asking a question. And then other times I'm trying to ask Kelsey a question and then my little child comes over and he's like, mama, 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 I want some lunch. And so I stop and then I have to remember where I was going. So enjoy. The audio quality will sound more like a phone call than an in-studio interview. And it's going to be slightly different because it'll be a Voxer interview. I'm really curious to know what you all think of how this was done and what it's like to listen in. My goal is to be able to 
have you listen in to the lives of these people and the conversations. And during the pandemic, but also during parenthood, we have to get creative about our solutions and creative about our strategies. And when I don't have the time to be able to sit down for a full-length interview, or I cannot figure out how to make my calendar mash up with somebody else's calendar to mash up with a childcare calendar to mash up with all the schedules, we try new things and we stitch things together. So here we go. I'm so glad to bring Kelsey Kerslake to the show. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. One of the first things that parents ask me about in the early days is sleep. How to get it, how to do it, how the baby gets sleep, and how you are going to get enough sleep. I mean, newsflash, you probably aren't, but I cannot tell you how many friends have told me once their baby sleeps through the night, they are still stressed out and waking up the parents because they are worried. If you want to calm that anxiety, then let me tell you about today's sponsor. This might be the perfect thing for you. The Nanit Plus Smart Baby Monitor helps you see that your baby is doing well so that the whole family can get a better night's rest. It is the only monitoring system that functions as a basic baby monitor and also a breathing motion monitor, plus a nanny cam and a sleep coach. You can rest assured that your baby is healthy and safe and sound and sleeping well. Check out nanit.com today to learn more about their Nanit Plus Smart Baby Monitor and how it can help you and your little one have a better night's rest. Also, startup pregnant listeners, you can use the code STARTUP at nanit.com to save 10% off your order. Hey, everyone. I am so thrilled to be bringing you another podcast interview where I get to go inside of the lives of people who are figuring out how to do the work from home with children during a pandemic and all of the craziness that's going on. I reached out to a handful of people and we have been doing these interviews via Voxer. We're using an app to send voice notes back and forth. These interviews are not done live, but they're done with telephone back and forth via the web. And I am asking people to share snippets of their life and tell me about what has changed in their lives in this pandemic. So today I get to have Kelsey Kerslake on the show. And she reached out to me when I put the call out and said that she has been running an agency and a coaching business while working two days a week pre-quarantine. And now she's just doing it during nap times. And she's having this interesting revelation about whether or not she's even going to need consistent childcare after this and what that looks like. So we will get into all of that. But first, I want to welcome Kelsey to the show. And Kelsey, one of the first questions that I always ask people is, what time did you wake up and what was the first thing that you did? So welcome, Kelsey. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to do this via Voxer. This is my first time doing this. So there is my son. (laughs) And okay, now I'm going to step out. (laughs) Totally fine. My children are currently out at the playground right now with their father. Feel free to cut yourself off at any moment. And I also want to know how old your little one is. Tell us about your morning and then tell us about your kiddo. So I woke up at around 
6.40 when I heard my little one crying on the monitor. Normally he gets up around 7. I do fluctuate between getting up really early, like 4, 4.30 to get work done in the morning without any distractions and also just sleeping in until whenever my baby wakes up. So his name is Carter. He turned one just three weeks ago. So we had a fun little Zoom party with our family and he ate his little cupcake and that was interesting and really heartwarming at the same time. I didn't expect his first birthday to go that way. It was really fun. So my morning's been sitting with him. We have like a dining room in our house that we converted to his playroom. So I've just been sitting in there having coffee and letting him tumble all over my body, which is his favorite activity. (laughs) Parent play gyms. Oh my goodness, a one-year-old. You are in the thick of it. I mean, I have an 18-month-old and a four, he'll turn four this week, a four-year-old. I mean, it is non-stop. <laughs> How are you doing with, I feel like postpartum is 12 to 18 months. I mean, you are always postpartum, but also it's just such an intense experience. Can you, if you don't mind me asking, can you share a little bit about your parenting journey and Have you always known that you've wanted to be a parent, first of all? And then what's it been like this last year, pre-pandemic? I mean, I think the pandemic adds a twist. It's like, and then there was a pandemic. But what's your parenting journey been like? And how have you been doing this first year? Yeah, so this first year, I have nothing to compare it to because he's my first. I think I always knew I wanted to be a parent, but it became more apparent probably in my mid-20s when I was, I've always been like awkwardly prepared and seeking out my future things. And in my mid-20s, I was like, I would like to find a husband and I would like to have a baby, which is whatever. (laughs) That's me. So I think around then I was like, okay, I know that this is my journey. I also always knew that I wanted to have my own business and that I wanted to have a really nice work-life balance running my business and also being home with my children. I never wanted to like go away all day, every day and do my job. And I also didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom and not have my business. Like I've always sought after that work-life balance. I knew that was my future for whatever reason. I'm going to go further back. I've actually had some history with infertility. I have endometriosis, and that is actually the reason I decided to leave corporate America sooner than I thought I would, because I knew that having a family was really important to me, and I knew that I wanted to have my business be at a point where it was supporting me and that I had teams supporting me within the business so that I could have that work-life balance. So I left my job in 2016 knowing that I probably was going to be going on an infertility journey, which it did happen. We went through IVF and all of the things. So I finally did get pregnant via IVF last summer, summer of 2018, and then had my son last April. So yeah, that was a journey. (laughs) I think I didn't think about the actual having a baby thing and the fact that I really, really love working. (laughs) And especially since I did form my business around all of my passions and I just, I really, really love my job. So I had a really hard time transitioning right after giving birth. And 
I actually put my son in daycare after about eight weeks. It was like as soon as I could because I was so ready for some personal space back in my life. And probably the first six to nine months were really difficult. I had a really hard time transitioning and figuring out who I was as a mother and as a business owner and all of these things. So I actually, I had some pretty severe postpartum depression as well. And that was a really big turning point of really realizing that I had to take care of myself in order to show up in my life as a mother, as a wife, as a business owner, and do what I needed to do to show up as I needed to. And that was a whole journey. And I finally, probably in the past three-ish months, I'm really finding my footing again. And I feel like I'm like, wow, this is good. This feels like my new normal. Of course, it's not like it used to be, but I definitely feel like I'm in a groove of I have the baby and we do our life and I have the business and I have the support I need on both ends other than pandemic and not having daycare now. So that has been the only more rough transition right now, but it's been surprisingly easier than I thought it would be. So there is my journey in a nutshell. Well, I could spend an hour with you on each of these topics. I could go in and talk to you about the fertility journey and I could talk to you about the postpartum journey. I mean, there's so much in here. What I end up finding is that when I talk to people, I end up wanting to talk to them for like four hours. I do want to ask you a couple of questions about this before I take us in another direction, though. You mentioned postpartum depression and then getting the support that you needed. Keeping in mind that this is a pre-pandemic lens, can you talk about what was postpartum depression like for you? How did you know that you had it? And what did you do to get the support that you needed? And I'll probably ask follow-up questions in specific detail, granular detail, like what does support actually look like? I love this. (laughs) So how did I know that I had it? I was lucky. I am in Cleveland. We have the Cleveland Clinic and we have a baby first. I think that's what it's called, a baby first hospital or birthing center and things like that. So they actually do a lot of pre-checkups and post-checkups with the mothers themselves to support them through this journey. So there was a lot of education around what postpartum depression could look like for you. So I knew that I had it because I was constantly crying. Obviously, you're going through the trauma of giving birth and all that, that, well, I guess for me, it was traumatic. I don't mean to say that that's everybody's experience. And I was healing from that. I also have some immune issues as well as the endometriosis. So I think the hormones were a little bit more emphasize probably. I almost knew that it was probably going to happen just because of how my hormones have been in the past. And so I knew to look out for it. I was crying constantly. And I don't think not getting any of the sleep I needed helped either. I'm usually somebody who does need around 10 hours of sleep every night. And I'm pretty great at getting that for myself. So I was just kind of like sleep deprived and feeling crazy. And 
I went into my six week checkup with my doctor and they also had a two week checkup and they're calling you and all of these things. I felt like that was supportive in and of itself compared to what I've heard from other friends who've recently gone through this and their hospital support. And I just cried the whole entire doctor's appointment. She was like, let's talk about some medication for you. (laughs) So yeah, that was the first support that I needed. And I actually filled the prescription, but I didn't, or I got the prescription and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I was so paranoid about not breastfeeding and giving my child the best and quote unquote, and all of those things. And I was putting so much pressure on myself to do everything perfectly. And I think in the midst of the postpartum depression, I thought that was possible and I wasn't meeting up to the standards that I set for myself, which is completely breastfeeding. And I don't even know. I just, I was going through some stuff (laughs) and I wasn't able to keep up to the expectations that I set for myself, basically. So getting the medication was the first thing that really, really helped me. I remember going on a walk with my husband. I mean, I was crying all day, every day, because every decision from like how to put diaper cream on my baby and what nipples to use on the bottles and if it's going to give his future teeth issues and just every little choice I felt this immense pressure that it was going to be either positive or detrimental to his future. And so I just couldn't, in that space, that's just not possible to think through every single decision like that. So that was where I was at. And every little decision took me like an hour or two to decide on and all the research that came with that. So medication helped. Also talking with my husband, so having a really supportive partner and saying what I needed and us kind of discussing together for our family what does support look like there? So we, for the first several weeks, created a schedule where I actually stopped breastfeeding when I went on medication because that was something we both decided we just didn't, for our family, we didn't want our son to have that medication in him if we could avoid it. So we actually switched to formula. That was a huge, huge decision that I still honestly feel some guilt. I don't, I just, anyway, (laughs) I have feelings around that too. Just, I think because of society and what the doctors and everything going up into postpartum tell you about breastfeeding. And, you know, I kind of had those feelings of failing as a mother because I couldn't breastfeed. So we stopped doing that. During this time, I also got mastitis. So it made it nearly impossible to breastfeed. And I wasn't able to give my son enough breast milk. So even pumping for like hours a day, I was getting like five ounces, which is usually what he was eating in one feeding. So just a lot of expectations that I wasn't able to meet that caused, I think, a lot of this. So the support, talking with my husband, as soon as he got home from work, like after a couple weeks, um, he gave me time where I just got to be like, here's the baby. I'm going to go do things on my own, which was usually just listening to podcasts in my bed or taking a bath or something like that. So knowing that I had time each and every day that was just my own was really, really helpful. We did a schedule with my son's feedings. So getting the support I needed, like switching to formula was a really big support because I was finally able to get sleep. And I mean, sleep just changed everything. So 
that was huge for me. So we had a feeding where I think we had a 10 PM feeding that my husband did. I went to bed probably around seven or eight. And then I slept until his middle of the morning feeding around, you know, three or four. So that gave me a really good chunk to get rest every night in a deep, longer way that my body was really craving. And then I think sometimes my husband did the morning feeding so I could sleep in a little bit more. So we were just really great at communicating around how I was going to get sleep and how our son was going to get fed on the schedule that he needed. And then something else that we have still done to this day is that we each take one day on the weekend. So we each get a break. So we're, you know, obviously at quarantine, we're still home and hanging out with each other, but we each get one day where we're kind of off parent duty and we're still around and yes, we're helping. But for the most part, it's like the one parent's complete obligation or duty to take care of the baby on one of the days. So have knowing that I have one day quote unquote off where I don't have to change a dirty diaper and worry about the formula schedule or chopping up little pieces of vegetable to feed him was really, really nice. And even to this day, that's really great. Trying to think what else as far as support. I did do daycare at eight weeks. So that was really important. I did two days a week, which was again, always what I wanted to do. That was my plan. Like I did not want to do full-time daycare for me. I just would miss my baby too much. (laughs) So I always knew I wanted to do part-time daycare and starting that at eight weeks felt a little rushed, but at the same time, I really needed that. So I got that support. And then I also hired a breathwork coach who I'd been working with for a while, but we actually started a six month program where she was kind of helping me and coaching me through self-care. I've done a lot of energy healing and work that has helped me immensely. I've also done therapy and, you know, traditional talk therapy. And that has personally for me not been as helpful as some of the things like breath work and meditation, visualization, hypnosis, things like that. So I really lean on those modalities when I am needing that support. So that has been one of my biggest things as far as healing and getting the support I need is breath work, honestly. So those are the actual specific things that I did to get the support I need. And I think it was really just being open and honest and communicating what I needed in order to feel sane and more like myself and just not trying to hold it all in and just communicating, being open and getting whatever I felt like support was. And a lot of times that was just space alone by myself. I'm an introvert. I needed that time to recharge. And even if my husband didn't need that himself, he knew that I did. So that was helpful having an understanding partner who was there to help me through that. So that was a journey. (laughs) Even just going back and thinking about it, it feels like a blur because I feel really removed from it right now because I feel really great. Honestly, after getting medication, having a lot of breath work done and working with my husband to really talk through a schedule that works for us, I'm in a really good place right now. So even just thinking back to that, I'm like, wow, that was a huge shift. And I was in a really sad place then and it felt hopeless and 
Like I'd never get out. Like that would be my forever. Like I remember thinking, if this is going to be my life, I can't do it. And looking back now, I realized they were just really short little blips that were really hard, but you don't see the other side when you're in them. And now knowing all of this, I think whatever future pregnancy I do have, which I thought I'd want to have a second baby right away. And right now I'm like, let's wait a couple of years because that was intense. And that is my journey so far. And I also want to talk about the support from my team and in my business, because I think a lot of us as business owners, and I don't know if everybody in your audience is a business owner as well. But just knowing that I needed to get things off of my plate, that I couldn't handle everything myself and designing my business in a way that was supportive to allowing me to have the space to go through this journey was essential. Because if I had to, on top of this, run everything in my business I would have survived, but I don't think my business would have survived through that. I would have had to let something go and that obviously would have gone. So just knowing that I had to stand up as a CEO and a leader, get support, get really stand like my SOPs and all of those things set up in my business so that I could take that step back and have the time that I needed was really essential. So I actually spent an entire year and a half going through the infertility journey, knowing that I needed my business to support me through this. So setting up that pre-support financially in my business and getting it running more on autopilot was really, really key. So I think I did have the foresight to know that I would need that support. So finances weren't really an issue during this time, which was really supportive to me because that can be something that can be huge. Like people need to work and they need to have the finances to support themselves. And I knew I didn't want to have to worry about that during this time. So that was another layer of support that was really essential to working through this. So I'm really curious if you can look back in hindsight, did you feel prepared at all for any of this? Do you feel like going into motherhood and parenthood that you were ready for any of this? Or what did it feel like dealing with postpartum depression and figuring out these new routines and structures and adjusting to the new work schedule and adjusting to daycare? Like how big of a transition was it? And if you could go back and tell your previous self something, the self that was dealing with the fertility challenges and building a business back before you had a baby, what advice would you give yourself? So I didn't feel prepared for anything. At the same time, I feel like I prepared everything with a lot of things in life. I've never felt ready or prepared or X, Y, and Z. I've always just known I have a feeling that I want to go towards. And I know that whatever I start is going to feel uncomfortable and weird and hard and new whenever I'm starting that. So this is the same thing with business and the same thing with, I mean, even this is a weird analogy, but if you're learning a new software or trying to do something new, it's going to feel hard and weird and frustrating at first because you're learning something new. And I think the same thing in a big way happened with parenthood because I prepared as much as I could. I set myself up to have the support that I needed. And at the same time, those first couple months were just intense. I don't think 
you can't correlate actually feeling completely exhausted and sleep deprived just talking about it. I think I was technically prepared because I knew intellectually all these things, but going through it, working through it, being in it with the hormone surges and all of the things was just so entirely different being in it. And I think if I did go back to tell myself anything, it would probably be to release some of the self-expectations I had on myself. I thought I was going to be one of those people who breastfed until the baby was over a year. And I just had this completely different view, mostly around breastfeeding that just did not come to fruition. And giving up on that expectation for myself was probably the biggest switch. I also remember The first time I went to go look at the daycare and even taking the baby in the car, it's like everything just took so much longer. So many steps were involved. And I was kind of freaking out that my life no longer consisted of just jumping in my car and going to the grocery store. It turned into this big production. And weirdly, those little things were a huge transition for me. And looking back now, I'm like, oh, of course you go to the grocery store. And, you know, I have to put my son in the carrier. And it's just these steps that now are normal. So I think it's just been this adjustment to my new normal over time. Obviously, I'm not going to the grocery store now with pandemic, but just those types of things were a huge thing at first because it was new and I was learning and I didn't set myself up for those expectations. I thought I would be able to sleep and all of the things. So I would tell myself to lower all of my expectations of myself. That probably would have caused a lot easier of a transition for me. Before we get into all the questions I want to ask you about your work and how you are adjusting now to the pandemic, I actually want to, I want to ask you about the breathwork stuff that you mentioned earlier. You talked about learning a new breathwork series or a new practice. Can you tell us all about it? If someone listening has never done it before, or they're like, what is she talking about? What is it that you do? When do you do it? Where do you do it? How did you learn it? What is it like? Tell us all the nitty gritty details. I will get into the breath work. So that is something I was introduced to in 2017 by my friend, Amy Koretsky. She is an acupuncturist out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And then she also does tarot, breath work, and self-care coaching for online entrepreneurs. She's been working with other people, but now she's really niching to online entrepreneurs for that part of her coaching business. And I'd actually signed up for one of her self-care courses in 2017. That was the year after I'd left my full-time job and was taking my business full-time and I was not taking care of myself at all. And I just have always loved what she's done. So I just kind of was like, I think I'll join this course with you. And there was one other student. So there was two of us in this six-month program and it was a really in-depth experience forming our own new self-care habits and not just from the point of taking bubble baths and doing the things that are quote unquote self-carey, but really diving into what brings us joy, what is self-care for us as an individual. And one of those sessions, she was actually being trained as a breathwork practitioner. And I had no idea what it was. And she was like, we're just going to try this out. It's going to help you access your intuition and your own self-guidance and trust. And I'm like, okay, 
sure. <laughs> so she did this thing where we had to lay on the ground. I laid in my living room on the carpet when I was in our townhouse back then. And she led us through the series of breaths. It's like a three-part breath and you just do it over and over again. And she's there to guide you through it when it feels weird and it does get kind of hard. And it's just a really, really interesting experience. It's kind of hard to describe as well. So what you do is you just lay there and she plays music and talks you through it. And you do this three part breath over and over and over again. And what it does is it almost oxygenates your body in a really intense way. So your whole body is like flowing with all this excess oxygen and you almost start to get buzzy. You start to what I guess I would describe as almost like a natural high. You just completely can't even access your brain because your body is almost taking over because it is so oxygenized. And it's just really interesting experience. And what happens afterwards is you go through this series of breaths and then you have this savasana period where you sit there and rest and that is where because your brain and your spinning thoughts and all of the things that you're used to accessing in your brain shut off for a second you're able to get these really intense downloads and you also release a lot of energy while you're in the practice of doing the breath work so as soon as i did the first one it was only 7 minutes I just started bawling. I'd never experienced something that felt like that, that allowed me to release so much extra pent up, whatever was going on in my body. And for me, therapy, it kind of like scratched the surface of what I think was going on more in depth and internally. And what breath work was able to do is in seven minutes, it was able to just have this huge wave of relief and release all of, I guess I want to say trauma that was happening. And I think what I've realized about myself is I have a lot of tiny micro traumas, nothing huge, but just, you know, almost hiding myself and not speaking up and just different things that have been going on in my life. And breath work has really helped me release a lot of that pent up trauma. I'm very into this energy work. And I really believe it's been able to like heal my energy, help me get these downloads that help me access more of my own personal truth. So that's how I started. And I was like, whoa, what is this from just seven minutes of it? And I've actually been working with Amy probably about once a month ever since. And what we do now is we get up to like a 45 minute breath work. I've done these in her she has group sessions. They've all been virtual. So I'll usually now lay in my bed. And the cool thing is, is it's completely safe. I did it all throughout my pregnancy. It's just been a really, really great way for me to access my own intuition. If you're ever just feeling crappy <laughs> or just having a weird day or just like, oh, like even now in the pandemic, I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm taking on all this weird negative energy that's happening. And if I ever feel like I just need to cry and release whatever's going on, I know that I can turn to breath work in order to release whatever is happening. So that's been something that I've really been able to use. And I only have to do it, maybe not even have to, I get to and love to do it about once a month. And that seems to be a good amount to do to keep me grounded in all of that. So that has been my breathwork journey there. 
the breath work is something I'm also bringing into a lot of my coaching business. Um, not a lot, but I have a higher level mastermind that I'm hosting and we're obviously doing a virtual retreat this weekend. And I'm actually bringing Amy into the retreat to end our session to do a breath work session with the women in the mastermind. So I'm very excited about that. I just think it's such a great tool to experience and to access. And you get these crazy, crazy intense downloads as you're sitting there in that kind of like restful period. And it's a really great way to get creative, to release some of the pent up weirdness that's going on in your body. And I've just loved it. So I want to get a sense of your day in the life pre-pandemic. Before we get into what we're all going through now, can you go back and tell us about what your business is, what the work you do is, like who do you help, how do you help them, what do you do, how many people are in your company, and what did a quote-unquote normal day look like, say, in January this year? And I know that this is kind of a hard question because what does a normal day look like with a child when you're running your own business? But what did your days look like in January? What were you expecting from 2020? Give us a sense so then we can compare and contrast when we get into how the pandemic has changed everything. All right. So pre-pandemic life, (laughs) as far as my business goes, I run a branding and web design agency for personal brands. So we help a lot of online personal brands, service providers, coaches, educators help build their online presences. We dive into a lot of the business strategy, sales strategy, your actual identity design, your online social media website, all of that stuff, and really help you position your business as an expert in your industry and make sure that everything's really working together to truly attract your people. And we do this at Pine Gate Road. That's my business. And that is on the agency side of the business. And as that has been able to scale and grow and I brought on team, I actually started mentoring other service providers in a program called the Align Business Academy. And that has really been an amazing thing that I've been loving doing. So personally, while I'm still doing all of the higher level strategy for the agency side and meeting with the clients and what else am I doing? I'm doing all the creative direction. I do have team support doing a lot of that day-to-day build out and being with the clients and all of that stuff. And I've been able to personally step into mentoring, coaching, educating, and that has been really, really fun. So post baby, I would say he's one right now. So probably about when he was like three or four months, I was really starting to step into this while I started getting daycare support. And that has been what I've really been focusing on getting super solid this year. So I relaunched the Align Business Academy. I had a higher level mastermind that was kind of the Align Business Academy is really about setting up your business to scale to six and multi six figures. And then the mastermind is like, okay, you've done the multi six figures. Let's really learn how to scale your business to a million plus. So I've been running both of those programs as well as a Pinterest program. And that has been like the coaching side. So I've just been having fun experimenting with that, just kind of doing the tweaking now. A lot of that has been 
built out. So I get to do the fun part because all of the build out in my business, all of the operating procedures, all of the systems, the team, everything has been really well structured. And now I'm finally like I've cut everything out of my schedule that isn't my zone of genius. So I've been able to really take the time that I do have, which before quarantine was two days a week, I had daycare. And I was able to spend one of those days doing client calls. I'm in coaching programs myself. So those happen to like all lie on Tuesdays for whatever reason. And so I would show up to get coached. I would coach in the groups that I have and schedule any one-on-one sessions that I did have with clients. So any new agency clients that we are going over their strategy and then any of the mastermind members. So I really limit the one-on-one time that I'm actually spending with people, which has been a really big boundary for me and something that has allowed me to scale and be able to run this business and still have my sanity and all that time off. So the only people that I am having one-on-one time with as far as like ongoing clients are the women in my mastermind. And I really scheduled my entire business and what we're offering around me only showing up for calls on that one day. And I love it because I'm actually... This was in the past, obviously, pre-quarantine. I was able to just put my full face of makeup on. And I knew every Tuesday I was just sitting down at the computer. Carter was in daycare. And I just was like showing up fully that day. And then what was fun on Thursdays is that was the day that I got to just really dive into any content creation, having fun, dreaming up new things, tweaking the programs I had. Maybe I was showing up in the group and just creating fun new things. I really, as a creative at heart, I was just able to take that day to work on whatever I wanted to in my business. It was about free form. Let's just create, let's edit, automate, just have that day to be in my business, which felt really, really great. And then if I am doing any kind of strategy for the clients, I did have like that full day where I was able to sit down and dive into a client's website strategy and sales flow and all of that kind of stuff. So whenever I am doing the doing Thursdays was that day for that. So that was pre-quarantine and basically all of those boundaries have set me up to have a much easier transition into quarantine. So we can dive into that, but I just wanted to cover that was my life pre-quarantine. And this year has been about scaling the education side of my business. Now that pre-baby, it was really about getting the agency solid. The agency is solid. And now it's about scaling the education side. As far as the team goes, So we have a team of, I think, 12 contractors. I am technically the only employee in the business. And then we have four retainer contractors that are really in the day-to-day of our business. So I have a junior designer. I have a project manager. I have a lead coach for my programs. And then we have a developer who is on retainer. So those are the four people that are really in the day-to-day of the business. And then we have contractors that come in for different aspects. Oh, actually, we have like, we do have a marketing admin on retainer. When I'm in my podcast season, I do have a podcast editor on retainer, things like that. 
I had a Facebook ads person. There's, I get a lot of support. <laughs> I know that I can't do this on my own. So there's always, it's a lot of contractors. This is a thing for me. I don't feel like I'm personally at the level where I need the employees just yet, maybe this year as the education business scales. So we have some people on retainer who have like regular jobs that they are doing within the business. I'm the only employee. And then we do have specialized contractors who help with web design, brand design, people that I pull in for very specific parts of projects because they are so amazing and talented at those specific parts. So that is how my business is formed right now and who is in there supporting me. Okay, I have more questions about all of this because this is really interesting to me. And I want to dig in a little bit because what comes to mind for me, how did you get into this as a career path? What did you study in school? And then how did you know you wanted to be your own business owner? Like, was entrepreneurship always a path for you or is this something that you stumbled into? Because as I'm looking through, like, I stalked you on the internet and I'm looking through your websites and I realize that you have like a branding agency, but you also have a mastermind and you have a client services based work. You also have mastermind and coaching, and then you're getting into education. So can you unpack this a little bit more for me and tell us about your journey into entrepreneurship and where did you get all these design skills? What's your background there? Yeah, so I've always been a creative artist type. I knew that I always wanted to be in the arts growing up. I guess I was very athletic, but also very into art and painting and photography and all of those kinds of things. I went to a high school that specialized in fine art. So I knew that I really wanted to be doing something creative as I grew up. And me being like the weird planner that I am at 15, I was like, I'm going to be a graphic designer because they do things on the computer. And that means I can do art and still make money. <laughs> that was like literally the only thing that I went off of. So I went into school for graphic design. I went to the University of Iowa. I was on a rowing scholarship there. So I was really big into rowing as well as theater and lots of other stuff. So I went there. I ended up leaving the rowing team. I joined a sorority and I got really into graphic design. So I worked for the marketing team on campus as like a student intern. And then I worked with the production company doing concerts. And I got to work with the big time-ish artists that were coming into town and making sure that I was creating their ads and their flyers and all of that stuff. So graphic design is my background. When I graduated, I realized it was probably, it was 2010. So right after the recession-ish time, I knew that my skills were not good enough to get the job that I really wanted. I had a liberal arts degree, which was great, but I didn't have enough graphic design actual skills. So I knew that I wanted to go to grad school just to hone in on my graphic design skills. And I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design to get my master in fine arts in graphic design. And when I went there, what was interesting is that it was actually like a whole brand theory, brand strategy program. I was not actually learning new technical skills. It was all about the strategy. So that is really where I think I dove into business strategy, how design could really work with people's perceptions and turning audiences into customers over time, pretty much what I do in my agency, and really taking that human psychology aspect of design and putting it into brands, web design, et cetera. 
So I got really into that. And that was interesting because it wasn't something I knew I'd be after. And at the same time, I was really craving an outlet for creating actual design, playing with colors, playing with typography, all that good stuff. So I started my blog. Pinegate Road. It was started as like a hobby blog while I was in grad school. And this is when I really got into learning about online entrepreneurship, online businesses. I was being asked to freelance and create websites and blogs and brands for a lot of other bloggers, things like that back then. And slowly over time, that grew into what is now my agency. So I started that in 2011. So it's been nine years of Pinegate Road and, you know, it just was able to support me. It's obviously transitioned over the years. I think back then I was doing recipes on my blog and still doing design, but it was a very big hodgepodge. So that was my background as far as design goes. I think because I went to grad school and like dove into all of that strategy and things like that, just teaching was a part of that curriculum as well. Creating curriculum, teaching, really just expanding the design field and your theories and all of that. So I think I always have this need and want to teach. And I was being asked by a lot of people at this point in the past couple of years to really coach and teach and things like that. So it just kind of naturally expanded from there. And then as far as me going into entrepreneurship, I knew I always wanted to run my own business because it was always in my mind that I wanted to raise a family and have a career that I love that I got to be creative and call the shots in. I knew that the corporate world was not for me. I mean, I probably just knew this growing up. And this is because I come from a pretty entrepreneurial family. So my dad is an entrepreneur and my mom's dad and his dad were. So going into entrepreneurship was a choice that I knew about early on, which I'm really thankful for. So that has always been supported. Taking risks, going after the life you really desire has always been a supported choice in my family. So that was something I always knew I wanted to do. I just didn't know when it was going to happen. I thought I had to be in corporate America for forever and really make sure that I earned my chops before I took my business full time. But with all of the endometriosis and life transitioning and really knowing that I was going to start a family, I knew that I had to start planning sooner rather than later. So I took my business full time in 2016 and have just been growing and making sure that it forms the life I want to live along the way. Oh my God, this is so fascinating to me because I don't know if you know this, but my background is in psychology undergrad. I also, then I went to grad school and I did a design degree. I'm so curious. I want to ask you all these questions about the Savannah School of Art and Design. The reason I bring that up is because sometimes people ask me like, who does my website or who does different parts of the work that I do? And I'm the one who does a lot of it. And I forget how useful it is to have these skills and how important it is. I know that most people who are parents during a pandemic have zero time to learn new skills. But if you are one of those rare people who has time or you're thinking about what to learn in the future, I think design is so essential because it helps you think about the world in different ways. You start to see patterns and it's not about whether or not you are like naturally a creative person. It's a lot about learning skill sets. Like I did science in undergrad and then I decided to get an art degree and it made no sense to my family of engineers. 
But anyways, I digress. The other thing I think I wanted to point out about what you're saying for people listening is that a lot of these businesses, when you see people who are starting to develop systems and scale and being able to work two days a week, like when you really dig in and a lot of the work has been done for like 10 years, like, you know, it's been... 12 years for me since I graduated from grad school. And a lot of these things take bits and pieces of time, blogging on the side for a couple of years, learning design skills, doing design skills as a freelancer, building an agency, then having people ask you questions about it, starting to collect those materials, put them into educational resources, then starting to scale the systems, getting teams, getting help, all of that. It does take some time. So if you're feeling like, man, my business isn't working and I've been doing it for six months, I've been feeling that way for 12 years. So we're all in the same boat. <laughs> so, Kelsey, the next question I wanted to ask you, if you're comfortable sharing, and it could be as sketchy as you want, like it doesn't have to be exact numbers. But I'm curious, can you give us a sense of the financial stability of your business? Like what allows you to be able to work two days a week? Do you have a steady stream of clients? Did you hit a certain plateau? Are you in the multiple six figures range? Can you give a sense so that people who are listening can know what to compare themselves to if you're comfortable sharing that at all? Yeah, absolutely. So I am pretty open about this. It was actually when I started scaling my agency, I went from $200 in my bank account that first year of not knowing what the heck I was doing in business. Like I have this design degree, but I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing in business. I was scrambling and living off of my savings that I built up while I was in corporate. And so that first year I ended up one year after quitting my job, I had $200 in my bank account and my husband was like, well, you need to go get a job at the grocery store that's next door because I don't know how you're going to pay your part of the mortgage. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not getting a job at the grocery store. I'm going to do whatever it takes to grow my business. I know this is like a longer story than you wanted me to go into. But within three months after that moment, I just hustled my butt off and I had my first 16K month. I went from $200 to having $16,000 in cash that month in my business, not over the three months, but just for that month. And I was like, okay, sweet. I have this stability back and now I'm ready to scale. And ever since that moment, I've been able to hit over five figures and that's been about two and a half years now. So per month, five figures per month. And now we're in the multi six figures and I have a steady team that I know is supporting the day to day. And I would say that I know how much they are going to, I don't want to say like how much they cost. Does that sound weird? <laughs> how much they were in and I just know that they're built into all of the projects we're doing. And I love also working on payment plans. So our projects, because they're really in depth, sometimes they'll like our agency work is from three to six months usually. So I know I don't say like, here, pay us X amount and it's due on the first day. It's like, here's the six months. You know that we are getting that income into our business, how much we're getting on certain dates for each month along the way. So I'm able to see into next year how much income is coming into our business. And adding the coaching has been really awesome because 
actually my mastermind is a year long. So I actually know that I have cash flow coming into my business until 2021, May of 2021. So that makes a lot of stability in my business. Yeah, that is how I know that I have that stability and how much I'm able to pay myself. I would say I don't risk paying myself too much and we live pretty lean for the money that my business is making, I guess. And then I'm more or less like I pay myself a pretty averagey low salary. And then when my business has excess income, I'll give myself a bonus here and there. We make our budget based on that monthly payment that I know that I'm going to be paying myself. And I know that I'm able to hit that with my eyes closed at this point. I've built in the systems, the marketing, all of the things into my business where I'm just like, I can expect that each month. And that's what I'm doing. And then you asked me just in the text here, like, how did I get that for 16K? I always talk about this. You go from survival to thrival mode. And I was definitely in survival. And what I think about when I'm in survival mode, it's like, I will stay up all night. I will hustle my butt off. I will break down every single boundary just to get into thrival mode. And so I emailed everybody I knew and I was like, hey, I'm open for business. Any freelance work that you have, send my way. So I just started emailing everybody, letting them know that I was available. And it just weirdly started piling up. So I just wasn't even looking at the money. I was just putting myself out there, making myself available, doing anything that I could get my hands on as far as, I think I was able to stay within the design field, but I was even applying for random jobs, trying to be like a photography assistant where I was styling props, which is not my day-to-day anything. (laughs) So I was just getting my hands on whatever I could in order to make the bills. And I just remember looking back, it was that November and I was like, whoa, that happened in my bank account and I did not even see it coming. Like I just had my head down. So it was really just getting really creative and just thinking like, what can I do to make income? Where can I go put myself in front of people who need support right now? Not being afraid of rejection and really relying on a lot of the relationships that I've made over the years too. Like I've been in grad school. I had lots of friends who had amazing design jobs that needed potential freelance work. I was a hand lettering artist and I did a lot of hand lettering for ad agencies and things like that. So that was a skill I relied on. I don't really do that much anymore. Those are all those things. Oh, I love hearing all this detail. This is so helpful. One of the things we do sometimes is we gloss over the other pictures of people's lives. And it's so nice to see deep inside of what other people have built. Even during a pandemic, some things might be working for some people and then other people may be totally struggling. And I love that you pointed out the lower cost of living and lower overhead as being able, plus the long-term revenue runway, the year-long program of your mastermind, the long-term retainer clients or payment plans, like how that creates financial stability and structure for you. I think just bravo. We've been doing that over here in our household and it really helps. Now, that being said, I know that the majority of people listening are maybe not in that position. I want to make sure that people listening, because the majority of people listening are, are 
probably in much more stress and the survival mode, like you talked about. So imagine that somebody is trying to do that first hustle month that you were doing, but right now during a pandemic. I imagine that you're having conversations like this in your masterminds as well and with your clients as well. What are some of the things and the tools and the mindset frameworks that you would offer to people that are facing sudden job changes or sudden economic changes or they're working from home and it's totally overwhelming? Do you have skills and tools that you share for encouraging people to make this work? And I'll give an example because I was talking to a friend the other day. She called me and she had been having quite a period of struggle. She had sickness in the family. She was struggling with postpartum depression and her business wasn't working very well. And she has since during the pandemic seen like a crush of business requests. And so she's had her highest income ever and she got an offer of a full-time job. And she was like, I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I've never made this much money before. And we were talking about it and I said, well, how's your energy level and how are you feeling? And I said, you know, I want to offer you a completely different perspective that maybe not everyone would give you. And also it might not be right for you. I want you to try it on. But what if you went for it? The job was part-time to start. Like, what if you just gunned it? We know that there's a four-year potential economic downturn and your skills are in demand. What if you just worked like you didn't have children and you went, all out and you banked an extra 80 to 100k as a cushion you know is that sustainable is that possible like could it work what would you need to make it happen and it was such a cool place to operate from just as a brainstorming exercise I wasn't saying that's what you should do people listening to the podcast know that that I'm not the hustle till the cows come home diatribe person over here but sometimes it's fun to play in that space I'm going to turn it over to you What are your thoughts about people who are inside of this space right now? Do you have skills or tools that you have been sharing with your clients and team? So I really go back to that survival versus thrival and how you're going to be operating differently in survival mode. And it's like, okay, wherever we're at, what has happened has happened. And this is no matter if you're in postpartum depression, if we're in a pandemic, I go into this and I don't know if this is like a trauma response or what, but it's like, okay, what has been is, and so how are we going to move forward? There's not a lot of sense on being, but if only this happened. And so I do like to get to that dreamy space. Okay. Pandemic, you lost your job. Here's the bills that need to be paid. Here's how much you need to make in order to survive this month. Let's get creative in order to get you to that spot. One of the first things that we do is we calculate your spaghetti number at the worst case scenario. What are your bills? What do you have to pay if you had to live off of spaghetti and sauce for all of your food? Because that was all you could afford. What is that number that you have to bring into your business? And I think sometimes navigating that number is really helpful because then you're like, okay, here is this concrete number that I have to hit in order to quote unquote survive. How can I get creative in order to find that number or to get to that number? And that is where the interesting conversation can start, where you're moving yourself out of survival into thrival. So moving into thrival mode, this is where you can start getting a little bit more dreamy. And I don't think that everybody has to hustle in the survival mode either. I think it's about getting clear about the time that you do have and what you're willing to do. Just like you said, what if you did hustle this much, but still 
kept your sleep at a certain number of hours per night. Based on life's current circumstances, if you're at home, what's your mental stability? What does your schedule look like? That is where you can then say, here's what I'm available for. Here's what I'm willing to push past, et cetera. And then you use those as the parameters in order to get creative and think about what you can do in order to make it to those revenue numbers. So it's really just saying, here's where I'm at. This is what has happened. And how can I move forward in a really cool, creative way to get where I want to go? And I think there's a lot of magic that can happen in this space. And I really think that as bad as it is right now with so many people's businesses and situations that are happening, I think it's going to force a lot of us to get really creative with what we actually want to go get where we want to go in our lives. And it's going to cause us to rethink through this stuff and see, okay, here's where I'm at. Where do I want to head next? Just taking these questions and moving forward from here. We have no other choice than to move forward. And where do you want to go? Where do you want to end up? Let's design a creative way to help you get there. I really want to dive into and look at is to ask you about what has changed. So the pandemic hit, and can you remind me where you are and and when did the pandemic hit and then what did it do to your business and how did you change your work life? And I think wrapped into that, if you don't mind sharing, what does your partner do if you have a spouse and how does that help or make it more challenging? And what does your life look like now that we are in May 2020 and dealing with this worldwide pandemic? Okay, so pandemic time. Not much has changed for my business except for the fact that I don't have childcare. So I guess that is kind of a big change. So it's been interesting. My husband, he is in supply chain at a very large hospital and we are in Cleveland, Ohio. So I'm sure you can guess what hospital that is. And the first couple weeks of the pandemic hit, I would say we've been staying home since I believe March 15th. It was like a Friday, I went to go get my eyebrows microbladed. And that was the last time that I left the house. So I've actually been completely staying at home. And since that, he stayed home that Thursday and Friday. And then he's been working from home ever since then too. So his entire office was able to just have people work from home. And what's been interesting is he has been so on with his work, just trying to get all of the supplies for all the various hospitals that they have. And his job has been really, really crazy. So he wakes up early. He's just in his office all day. We do meet for lunch. We meet for 15 minutes and have salads together. And then he goes back in his office. There's been a few times where he's been very slightly able to help out with Carter if I do have a meeting. But for the most part, he's had to be on and he's even had to work on the weekends probably like one day most weekends since March. So that has been interesting because he hasn't been able to support the childcare at all. So that has been on my business and me. So now I'm currently, thank goodness my son, and we only have one baby, is napping a lot. So he does do a two to three hour nap every single day. 
and I can usually time it. So I can kind of keep them up until 11 a.m. or 12. And then I put them down to sleep. And that's what he's doing right now. So I have his little monitor up and I'm like, okay, I know I have like two or three hours to get work done. This is when I've been scheduling calls as well. And I kind of just make sure that he is sleeping through this time and knock on wood. And thank goodness he hasn't actually woken up during this time. So I haven't had to rush off of a call or anything like that. But I am warning any clients that I am meeting with that, you know, I do have a baby home and I might need to bring them into the room and put them in the playpen or something like that. So that is what we have been doing. And I'm thankful because my business was already operating at a level where I was able to just engage in like a lot of that higher level strategy on my own time. So really it's me just scheduling a couple things during nap time that has been different. And then another thing I've been loving doing is I actually have been getting up at four or 4.30 if I know that I need some solid brain time to do things before I get into my day. So I've actually been taking that two to three hours during the morning and doing a really intense part of my work if I need that time. So that's not every day, but maybe once or twice a week. And I really, really enjoy that. I'm very much a morning person and I love having that time and the quiet. I have my cup of coffee and start my day. And then that's usually all of the work that I have to do that day anyway, too. So I can do that and then just focus the day on being with my son. So that's where I'm almost in a sense, I'm like, if I can re-strategize how I'm taking on calls, I'm like, can I do my whole business in the morning and then just spend my days with my son or do what I need to do for coaching calls and things like that just during his nap times. And I just don't know how things are going to pan out in the future and all of that. He was really sick when he had him in daycare. He like picked up every single cold ever. He actually was hospitalized for RSV in November. And that was really, really scary. I'm like, do we take him back to daycare? Do we get a nanny? I don't know what it looks like after this. And I'm kind of in this space where I'm like, do we just keep going how it is? Because it seems to be working. Yeah, that's really where I'm at now. It's just this taking every day as we can and scheduling calls during his naps and more or less living instead of having my two days of work and then the rest of the day with the baby. Let's have two or three hours of work and then the rest of the time with the baby. And some days I just don't work at all. And it's been flowing. Some days are harder than others, but it's been working for the most part. I've, I've really been enjoying it. And I've also really loved having my husband home. That's something I didn't expect. I thought we would be at each other's throats and really annoyed, but it's been really fun to have him home. It's like we're supporting each other and making healthy meals and choices and going on walks because he's home right away at the end of the day, which has been wonderful. And I'm just really enjoying it. And I think it's nice because we are in Cleveland because of that, we are able to afford a house that has a lot more space than I know, Sarah, you're in New York City. So it's like, that differentiation is different. And we have a lot of space in our house. So that has been really nice. We've been able to like take our alone time. My son does have a playroom and then my husband and I each have our own offices. And so I think that's a big differentiation factor here and a luxury that not everybody has that has allowed us to really thrive in this space. So that's where we're at. 
Kelsey, I'm so glad that you shared all of this. It's so interesting to me how variable the pandemic can be affecting and hitting all of us. It depends on our businesses and how long we've been in business and our partnerships and the type of work that we do. And what's really fascinating to me about this is that you are realizing, well, hey, maybe I don't need as much childcare as I thought I did, or maybe there's more ways to do my business right now that are different getting up at 4 a.m., for example, but still doable. This is really cool to hear. I am curious about your thoughts about the future, about the next year or two. Do you think this is sustainable for the long term or do you want to shift your childcare arrangements? What do you see changing as your kiddo hits two or three or doesn't take naps anymore? What's going to need to shift or change? And I'll say on my end, being in a similar boat in some respects, I have two kiddos, they're one and a half and he'll turn four tomorrow. I am surprised eight weeks has gone by and now I'm noticing that work that I used to do that was more long-term strategic planful, that work is the work that's being sacrificed or compromised the most. I'm able to maintain things that I set up for myself a year ago or two years ago, but I think there is actually a larger body of work and the articles I want to write and the book proposals I want to write, that kind of work is being put on hold. And I haven't started missing it yet because we're still so fresh and so new into the pandemic, but I do wonder what the longer term effects of the pandemic are going to be on my business. But then I also think about, I like having my kids home a little more. So it's a luxury to have these questions, I realize, but it's also really cool to see how this is playing out for so many different families. So I'll turn it over to you. What do you see over the next year or two? And what do you think your tentative plans, if you even have any, it may just be, Sarah, I'm playing it day by day, but what are your plans coming up? And do you see this as a long-term change for you and your family and your business? I have not put a ton of thought into the future planning. I guess what has happened is I haven't changed my thoughts on my business in particular, I really do resonate with you also saying that you're putting some of those longer term things on hold. Well, actually last night we were just sitting watching TV. I was with my husband and I was kind of thinking about like, Ooh, like maybe now I should start doing the book that I wanted to do and restarting my podcast. I've had a podcast since 2016, but I've been on about a year break since having the baby and everything. So I'm like, maybe I should start doing that. I'm getting to this place where I don't have these realizations about how this is going to affect my business. I do think that overall, a lot of people are realizing that the amount of things that we were doing and the busyness that was happening, especially, I don't know if that affected you, but I was constantly on like on calls back to back to back to back. I was traveling all the time, going to conferences, masterminds, this or that. And it was like, how many things can I fit into my calendar? And now I have taken control back over that calendar. And I think everybody's, obviously there's no in-person events right now. So 
everybody's getting a little bit more breathing room, even though they're taking on that extra responsibility, having the kids at home. And obviously my baby is one. I don't even know if he's a baby anymore. I don't even know what to call him. And people are having to homeschool and all of those things. But at the same time, there's a lot more space, I think, in our business schedules right now. And we're really realizing, okay, what do we want to bring back into our lives after things kind of go back to normal? I do see a big push in obviously the online space. I feel really lucky in a sense that That was my passion all along, helping people build online businesses, really get their systems and strategies and their look and feel all ready to go so they can super sell what they do on the internet. So my business has actually been really thriving during this time. People have been investing more in these projects that they knew that they wanted to do, but they just haven't. They were so bombarded with all of the do, do, do in their schedule. And now they're finding themselves having a little bit more space within their business schedule. So for my business, I'm actually like, whoa, maybe this will be the best thing that ever happened in a really strange sense. And with me scaling a lot of the educational programs and the coaching programs, I do see an uptick in that as well. And I've seen an uptick in the students and the clients that are participating in these. They're having some of their best months ever during this time. And I think this is because we're in the online space. I Don't know exactly, but that would be some of my thoughts into the future. Another thing is just seeing where people are struggling, where they're having hardships, and how can you support them where they're at? There is this sense of people not thinking as long-term just because we don't know what it's going to look like. That long-term thinking is a little unknown right now. And I see people who are selling packages and different things online that are either short intensives, like we're just going to figure out how you can manage your day-to-day today and into the next couple months. And I've also seen four-month coaching packages go better. I have a year-long program and it's come up a ton that people are like, I don't know about a whole year because I have no idea what three months from now is going to look like. So I think that short-term thinking is really prevalent right now. I'm kind of sitting back and watching some of the trends that are happening, how people are reacting, what they are wanting to invest in. And I think that people are going to realize what they can live without and really probably be investing in less all of the things syndrome and really just getting quality things that they love and less of them. I feel like that is probably going to be a trend everywhere, not even just in the online business owner space. But I'm thinking if I am going to make a purchase, it's something like I just want it to be the perfect thing and really high quality and not just something that's just going to be with me for a little bit. So those are some of my thoughts. As far as childcare goes, I am very much in a space where I'm just going to take it month by month. I've thought about that. I think right now, I just had the urge to create a schedule at least for the next month or two, because I do think that his naps are going to stay consistent for at least two months. I'd hope (laughs) they were pretty good for a couple months there. Now he's like just hit his one nap a day and it's been pretty consistent. So I think that I can really rely on that. And I'm just going to make a schedule for like this month and maybe into the next month and then play it by ear. 
What I am thinking about for the future, I love his daycare. And at the same time, he caught every single sickness that ever went around there. So I'm wondering if in the future when he's not napping and I do need more support because I do need that time for me and my business. I'm wondering if getting a nanny or one trusted person that's going to kind of social distance and putting my feelers out there. Maybe this is me just saying it out loud to the universe that I'm looking for a nanny or a babysitter to come in like once or twice a week who is also social distancing. I am more on, I don't want to say afraid side, but probably the more cautious side of re-entering the world. I'm the person like some people go to the grocery store and do kind of the things that are allowed. And I literally have just been sitting in my house. I do not leave the house. Well, I go on walks, but that's pretty much it. I haven't driven a car and I'm a little cautious about everything opening back up again. And I'd rather just stay put and see what happens before I make any long-term decisions with that. So that's what I'm thinking. I know that I am in this privileged situation where I can make these decisions and I'm just waiting it out and I don't have to make a hasty decision here. So I think the once or twice a week nanny situation feels really nice to me right now where, but that's only because of the pandemic before I was like, please just, I don't want anybody in my house. And that's where I think I'm heading with that. Kelsey, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to share all of this and give us a look inside your life and what you're doing and how it's working. One of the things that's so important to me as I talk to all these different women and parents about what work looks like and what home life looks like and what parenting looks like and what partnership looks like is that there are so many different ways of doing it. And so much of it is about what works for us and how does it work. And it's really cool to see what's working for you and how you're thinking about your business and how you're growing your business and how some things are working even better, even amidst a pandemic and then how you're adjusting and shifting. So Kelsey, tell us all about where people can find you. Thank you, Sarah, so much for having me. This was a really fun thing to do, and I'm so excited to know you better and be able to just share what's going on over here in case I can help anybody. So if you would like to be in touch, you can find me at Pinegate Road on Instagram. I'm always there, always hanging out and chatting, so that's probably the best bet. And you can head to PinegateRoad.com if you're... I don't know, looking for websites or coaching or anything like that. I would love to be in touch and meet some of you via the internet. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. This was so fun. And I hope everybody has an amazing rest of their days. Oh, I am so glad we got to do this interview. Thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing everything and letting us see inside your life. Now I feel like I've gotten to know you. I didn't know anything about you before, except that we crossed paths and had friends in common. And now it's so cool to get to see a little deeper dive into your life and hear so many of your stories. So thank you. If you enjoyed listening to these episodes with women going behind the scenes and telling the truth about their lives, I have found it really rewarding and 
therapeutic even to hear different people's stories of what happens when things are unexpected and not quite what you had planned for. So if that is something you appreciate and want to hear more of, and maybe it helps you feel a little bit less alone in this journey of parenting and business, I have a couple of episodes you might appreciate if you haven't listened to them yet. Episode number three with Nicole Walters. She became a foster parent and an entrepreneur all in one year, and she had three children enter her life suddenly. Episode number six with Tamson Webster is an unexpected story of divorce and when parenting totally knocked her sideways and wasn't anything like what she expected. And she ended up becoming not the primary parent or the default parent, but creating a new arrangement with her partner. Episode number 27 with Bridget Gleason. She talks about the way in which her life also totally shifted when she had kids. And she went to work part-time as a sales professional, but asked for a very particular set of circumstances. And she said, listen, I am the number one sales representative and I want to be paid if I am still the number one sales representative, like I am working full-time, even if I'm not working full-time. Her negotiation strategy and her perseverance are remarkable. And then lastly, episode number 51 with Kathleen Shannon. She is one of the creators of Being Boss, and she has a story of postpartum depression and how tremendously challenging having her kid was and why she ended up going on medication and becoming such a passionate advocate for daycare because of how much help she realized that all parents need when we undergo this journey. So if any of these episodes resonates for you or you are experiencing something like this, go take a listen. The links are in the show notes. That's episode number three, six, 27, and 51. Hey everyone, just a heads up and a reminder, if you want to listen to our long form Ask Me Anything sessions, they are 30, 45, and sometimes 60 minutes in length, and they we go deep into questions that people have. If you want me to look at your business, you want me to comment on your marketing plan, or you have a question about parenting, pregnancy, or anything in between, we are taking listener questions, and I answer them in a monthly Ask Me Anything fireside chat. It's available only to our Patreon supporters. So if you back us at the $7 a month level, you get access to this private podcast. You can get access to all of the past episodes, which is pretty cool. So if you're missing the podcast while we're on our hiatus and you want to take a listen in to these Ask Me Anything episodes, go over to Patreon and become a monthly backer at the $7 per month level and you'll get access to all of the future episodes, as well as all of the past episodes. Keep in mind that you are also supporting the work of Startup Pregnant and our growth in these early days, and that matters a ton. Every dollar helps and counts, and we appreciate so much and are grateful for your support. Patreon.com slash Startup Pregnant will take you right there. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Did I spell that right? Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Yes. Patreon.com slash Startup Pregnant will take you there. The link will be right here in the show notes. You can go straight there. $7 a month and you get access to this entirely exclusive Patreon-only podcast. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. 
And you know, I always say this and I mean it. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like our show. It takes a few seconds and it really does help us a lot. If you want more of what we're talking about, go over to startuppregnant.com and get on our email list. We send out a weekly newsletter with time-saving tips for parents and entrepreneurs. And I always include a weekly gadget or tool or something awesome that we've stumbled upon to help make your life just a little bit easier. And as always, you can reach out to us at hello at startuppregnant.com. We love hearing from you.